Bonjour, good people of the audio streams. Thank you so much for joining us today. On today's show, we have Jane O'Toole. Jane is a certified nutritionist with Precision Nutrition and MNU. And today we talk all things menstrual cycles. So if you have a menstrual cycle or know somebody who has a menstrual cycle, you're going to love today's episode. We delve into the physiology of what's happening in your body and how we can optimize our training and nutrition throughout the menstrual cycle to make sure that you're still making progress and mainly staying healthy. So without further ado, please enjoy this episode with Jane O'Toole. You're listening to The Abby Khan Show, a podcast that inspires people to achieve what they once believed was impossible. My name's Abby Khan. I'm an actor, health and fitness coach, and it is my mission to connect with interesting people, share their stories, find out how they optimize their lives for success, and how you can do the same. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen. We have Jane O'Toole on the show today. I'm super excited to chat with her all things women. So for you girls out there, you're going to be very excited for this episode. Jane, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you so much for having me on. I'm really looking forward to it. So for the people that may not know who you are and what you do, can you just give us a brief intro and the highlight reel of your life so far? (laughs) Of course. Um, My name is Jane O'Toole. My business is Real Nutrition. I am an MNU certified nutritionist. I'm also a precision nutrition certified coach. Um, I train a lot of weightlifting. I have done my like CrossFit level one and things like that, but I work primarily as a nutritionist. That is my passion. I work in Dublin and Ireland is where I'm based. And my work is a mixture of online coaching. I have a pri- had a private practice before lockdown anyway, <laughs> private practice. Um, and I do a lot of talks, both online in gyms and that around the UK and Ireland and I do some workshops and seminars and that as well so yeah a mixture of online and private coaching and what got you into nutrition specifically what was the the driving force of going down that avenue I was actually quite a late comer to it all like I've been working um in nutrition now for only about five or six years um fully working in it I my background was journalism and marketing Mm. um yeah, so bizarre change. <laughs> I had a, always had a bit of a passion for food and I was interested in nutrition. Um, and I got very, very into fitness and training about eight, nine years ago after being quite overweight, after years of some disordered habits with food. I got very into training, kind of gave me a new lease on life and new built up my self-esteem. I had such a life-changing experience through prioritizing my own nutrition and changing at the, training at that time that I just dove into the industry and dove into the field and found my passion for nutrition just grew and grew from there. And I decided to overhaul all aspects of my life, not just my the aesthetic side of it, and really work on my mental health, my emotional well-being, and then my career and change. So, yeah, I've seen the benefits of changing your lifestyle for myself and changing your nutrition. So I wanted to be able to do a little bit of that for other people, and it just grew from there. It's incredible, isn't it, when people sort of start to, I guess, clean up their diets, start to eat more 
highly nutrient dense food and look to portion size and things like that and how much better they feel and I mean obviously there's that aesthetic side of things which is always nice but they feel better they function better their cognitive functions far better they're far better at work they're happier and they're always really really surprised and I would say to them I was like well yeah of course that you're not going to go and put diesel into an unleaded fueled car right and they're like well no I'm like well that's exactly what you've been doing for the last 20 years of your life yeah, the assumption that like malnutrition means you're underweight. Mm. You can you can be you can be overweight. You can be a variety of body shapes and mm. sizes and have malnutrition mm. if you're not getting the right nutrients. And people don't realize that your cognitive function, as much as your physical, depends on your nutrition. It it like that needs the right fuel as well mm. and should be treated similarly to your body. You know. Yeah, no, absolutely. So today we're going to be talking all things female, especially through the menstrual cycle. So as we, we briefly spoke off the podcast, but a lot of females don't really know what's going on with their body during these phases of, of the menstrual cycle. And they tend to get into some negative behavioral patterns and just accept that's the way it is. So if you could just give an overview of what actually happens to your body, as you'll have a hell of a lot more experience than I do with it, <laughs> with your menstrual cycle. Absolutely. It is so empowering to understand what is going on within your body. That's the first and foremost thing I would say to to all females or anyone as a cycle out there or people who work with females, um, knowing what goes on is hugely empowering. Knowledge is power in all areas. So just to give an overview, um, your menstrual cycle begins on the first day of bleeding. So I'm not talking about spotting or anything like that or potential. It's like the first day you start to bleed, that is the beginning of your menstrual cycle, the first day of your period. Now, cycles last approximately 25 to 36 days. We tend to speak about it in an average of 28 days, but there is literally probably 10 to 15% of women who actually fit that 28 days. So it's quite normal to be anywhere in the spectrum of 25 to 36, and that's why it's really good to know your cycle, to understand where you are at on it. Now, your cycle is, your menstrual cycle is regulated by hormones, and the primary hormones are your luteinizing hormone and follicle-stimulating hormone, which is FSH, which is what you would see it written as a lot. Now, these are actually produced in the pituitary gland in your brain, and they stimulate the ovaries to produce more of the hormones you would recognize, which are estrogen and progesterone. Now, within the menstrual cycle, we talk mostly about two primary phases, and that is the follicular phase and the luteal phase. But there is a little little tiny phase that intersects between the two of them that is ovulation. So that kind of attaches the two the two primary phases but we will just talk about it in in the two phases now the follicular phase is the first phase of your period and that is when as i said the first day you bleed that is day one of your menstrual cycle and throughout that phase your levels of estrogen and progesterone are quite low um your uterus is breaking down and shed your fsh hormone levels are increasing throughout this time and then follicles are there that are containing eggs they are slowly released and as the phase continues on and the levels of fsh drop your follicles then deplete and you are left with one now 
Ovulation occurs around this time as you're crossing over into the luteal phase. When you hit your luteal phase, this is this is the time of your period where anyone who does suffer from feelings of like PMS, this is when this all starts kicking in. Now, and this phase, um, progesterone starts to increase, and estrogen and progesterone are both high during the luteal phase, and this is when your uterus starts to thicken and get prepared for implantation and prepared for a pregnancy. So that's pretty much the basic overview of both phases without getting too deep into what you can expect to feel during them. But that's the overview of understanding the, the menstrual cycle. Okay, awesome. And when we're looking at it, when it applies to nutrition and training, we'll start with nutrition. Does that need to change from phase to phase? Can we just basically keep it the same uh, during both phases? If you try to lose body fat, for example, would those phases need to be adjusted somewhat for the for the difference in, in hormonal functions? Yes, there are a lot of, there's actually, you can really harness the power of your period, <laughs> to be perfectly honest. Not to like make it sound quite cheesy there in yeah. that line, but you really can. There are some really positive adaptations that can happen within your training throughout your period. And understanding that can be really empowering because you, you can prepare for them, you know, again, knowledge is power. But then there are also, is that some people who will have times within the period where they're going to have appetite fluctuations and they're going to get PMS and things like that. And again, knowing when you tend to, your, your hormones tend to change and you start to feel like a bit lower is really empowering, can improve relationships if you can give people prior <laughs> warning to knowing when that's going to happen. So when it comes to movement, um, throughout movement and appetite throughout your menstrual cycle. Energy needs, as you know, and I know, they're, they're never linear. You know, they're, they, they chop and change depending on numerous factors beyond even looking at formal exercise or niche, even just your basal metabolic rate um, can change and adapt. And throughout your period, that's the same. About a week before your period, which would be within the luteal phase, you can notice your appetite increases and you assume that this is purely because it's like a lot of people assume it's because they have their period and it's just they're feeling low and they're a bit fatigued and while that's partially to do with it your bmr actually can increase throughout that period as well by up to 15 percent which for most people thinking about that that's that can be almost 200 calories extra burned at that time now if you're dieting and your bmr is ramping up like that you're going to get really freaking hungry and if you know this happens throughout your cycle you can account for it so if it means that one week every month as a coach or as just a female yourself doing it yourself you can increase if you're dieting increase up to maintenance for that week one week a month it's not going to ruin your overall goals or increase your calories for two to three days by one to 200 and account for it. If you find that you crave a little bit of chocolate instead of fighting it and then potentially pushing yourself to feeling restricted and maybe because of fatigue and low mood, eating a bit more mindlessly or even like binging because you are lower and find it hard to deal with. Why not account for it? Don't limit yourself. Add in a couple of extra bits of chocolate that day. If you know, have the donut, account for it move on from it 
don't make it harder on yourself if you start to understand that that happens every single month you know not everyone will feel the same way but when it comes to your appetite and your menstrual cycle i say learn from it understand it track it and account for it and stop trying to limit yourself that would be the primary changes you'd notice in appetite and that's about a week before your period starts when it comes to training it's a it's actually a different story there's there's so many positive adaptations that can occur if throughout your menstrual cycle when you understand it when you are in your follicular phase which as we discussed earlier is from day one of your period when you start to bleed People can assume that during that time, those five days or so, that you're going to feel negative and people can get a little bit protective of themselves at that time. Realistically, it's the polar opposite when it comes to how your body's functioning. So after potentially like day one, you may feel a little off, you may be a bit crampy just as your body starts to starts to shed. But throughout the follicular phase, this is when you are like She-Ra, you know, it is... <laughs> You can feel really awesome because estrogen, which is like the most empowering and powerful like of the hormones, it is high at this point and you will feel awesome. So around this time, it's actually really beneficial to, if you're someone who lifts, you could go for a PB. You can increase the intensity of your training around this time. You can feel stronger, more powerful, and it's actually a really good time to maximize lean, mus- maximize lean muscle mass development. Like full-on period power around this time, it's, you know, this is when you can really push it. And so you shouldn't, this type, type, time of your period isn't a time to be overly protective. It's like, listen to your body try these things out, try and push the intensity and see if you can harness that power because while estrogen is strong and high, you naturally will be feeling a lot better. And when you are in the middle of your of your period and bleeding, like your hormones are nearly at their, got a good comparison probably, see they're probably nearly at their most male. So that will be why you'll get those better adaptations for training. Then when the luteal phase kicks in, so that's around just after ovulation, around day 14-ish approximately, that's when that kicks in. Now, this is when your progesterone levels start to ramp up. Um, Progesterone, like putting it nicely, is kind of like the more laid back, let's rest a little bit kind of hormone. That's that's on the good side of it. (laughs) Um, So when progesterone ramps up, the while your womb is thickening so it's like preparing for a pregnancy this time of your period if you are someone who struggles with pms and this is another reason for tracking your period and being aware of it because i don't want to tell people this um and everyone to assume they're going to feel exactly like i'm speaking about and to limit themselves based on an assumption they may or may not feel this way every woman is different how our hormones impact us are different but you should get to know how yours work for you. And they can change throughout your life too in times of stress. But within the luteal phase, if you do struggle with PMS, this is the time when your appetite can ramp up. You can start to notice more water retention, bloating. You know, you can start to feel more lethargic. Training can feel a little tougher. Personally, I notice I get really clumsy and I've heard that this is quite common as well. You're not as coordinated at times. Serotonin levels can drop. You can feel more emotional. 
Um, you can feel the need to rest a little bit more and your mood can be quite, quite low. You can get a little crankier. So it's in the luteal phase that all of this will usually occur if this is stuff that you notice. And each person will notice a variety of those symptoms. And so when it comes to training, movement is positive throughout the whole of your cycle. It's going to benefit you. But around this time, if you do struggle, it might be a really positive time to to program a deload week, to reduce weights, or to have a recovery week, or like swim more, do even some more endurance and aerobic work, if like you do need to keep keep up a high level of training, you know, reduce your weights, yoga is great, recovery, you know, do what works for you. I think the biggest thing I always say to clients and to anyone regarding this is, that when you know what's going to happen within your body, you can manage your expectations. It's not about not training or reining back or not doing anything specific. It's about managing your expectations of yourself when you're doing it because I know with a lot of athletes or people that even just train a lot or are really into training, when you feel off, you start missing lifts or you feel clumsy and uncoordinated or you have a bad workout, it can be really, really bloody hard on yourself. And that's, around this time of your period that could be a time where that happens a lot more but if you know you're going to be clumsier you're going to be a little bit more lethargic you know you're just going to be proud you're moving and happy that you went and you showed up and you can account for that you're going to be a lot kinder to yourself and treat yourself a lot better so that's I think what's what's really beneficial to understanding that these things may happen so you can harness the positive as a coach or as an athlete or as, as just anyone training day to day and you can prepare yourself for the rougher times and just be a little kinder to yourself. Now, I love that. So you can almost sort of, um, I guess, calorie cycle, if you want to call it, that during like the follicular phase, you might be able to sustain a little bit of a, a great, more aggressive, let's call it for lack of a better word, yeah. deficit. And then coming up into that week prior, you might go, cool, well, if we look over the course of, say, 12 weeks we can account for those three or four weeks throughout that cycle and go cool where there are maintenance levels we're going to go to maintenance through these weeks allow for recovery allow for you to just back off a little bit take that deload week and then go a little bit more aggressive during the, I guess, the follicular phase could that possibly be a, an option absolutely if you've got somebody who has got very specific aesthetic goals very specific training goals you can absolutely periodize calories to suit and to account for it like you can bank some calories on the lead up you know it doesn't take much if it is just for one week being brought up to maintenance you're not going to have to limit or reduce calories too far either side of that to account for that and yeah you're going to have weeks where you do feel a little stronger you do feel a little more capable of reducing calories but if you're in low mood your serotonin levels are down your BMR is ramping up because your temperature rises at that time as well. So you are burning more. Like our period is, the menstrual cycle is so energy expensive. And you know that like making that function work requires a lot of energy. So account for that and work around it. You can still diet throughout it, but just diet smart, understanding what's going on and allow yourself that increase around that time. So what it work for you. When it does come to that time, the the week prior when BMR increases, if you, obviously you're going to feel a little bit more hungry, but hormonally, if you don't, for example, go to maintenance, are there any negative uh, things that can happen in the body? Or you just feel hungry and you're like, cool, if I can just last this out, I'll be all right. 
can't like if you can't last it out and you are dieting and it's of that big importance to your goals mm. if you if you can get through it you will be fine there's nothing negative going to happen in the short term to to that to dieting around your period in the short term it won't and if you if you can work through it yeah you'll be absolutely fine but if you don't have to i would say why would you you know you don't you're not going to get an award for you know bearing that cross <laughs> for a few days yeah. you're, if it's going to help you, you have to look at i suppose the mental and physical aspect of it yeah. If it's unnecessary, I would say don't do it. Okay. I would say go up to maintenance. If you struggle, if you're someone who doesn't, mm. rock on, you yeah. know? Yeah, I have um, a few female clients that were, obviously this is going to be very individual, but some people that, that we needed that, we needed to go to maintenance, even sometimes in a very, very slight surplus. And for others, it was just about finding their muse. I'm like, cool, if you're not that, if you're just a little bit hungry, what, what, what do you need on a day-to-day basis? And sometimes it was just like, cool, I just, I just literally want just a couple of bits of dark chocolate. That's what I'm craving. Oh, cool, we'll just have them. And like we're talking about 80 extra calories and they were absolutely fine. I'm like, okay, cool, let's just keep going with that. And that's it. That, that's exactly all it can take sometimes. And mentally as much as physically, it's just having permission to eat that food instead of getting into that negative mindset that something's bad or wrong that you can't have it it's like give yourself permission to have it you know and it takes away that restrictive idea when you're low like if you're in a low mood and your serotonin levels are down and you're feeling feeling a bit crappy through your period and you know the emotions can ramp up and down yeah, it's like don't don't add to that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think you said it perfectly, Alice. I think you said it earlier perfectly. So just be kind, be kind to yourself, be kind to your body. Like you're going exactly. through some stuff. Like just just chill. You know, like you'll be all right. Um, I wanted to touch next on just PMS. So just an overview of what it is and what happens to the body during this time, and then we'll delve a little bit deeper into the nutrition supplementation type. With PMS, it is, it's just when the luteal phase is, is happening um, with the surge in progesterone and all that's going on in your body at that time as your, your, your uterus is starting to thicken and things like that and progesterone surges, you can start to feel temperature rises, bloated, sluggish. Those symptoms all kick in from PMS. And not everyone gets them though because our hormone levels are all different, how we deal with them. Is slightly different as well so you don't have to assume you're going to feel that way but for different people to varying degrees these symptoms can kick in and for some people they're quite life limiting they are quite dramatic and mentally and physically and so it is something that requires a bit of thought can require a bit of planning around your lifestyle and if you don't understand your cycle like something i I recommend that everybody, everyone listening, every female, all my clients I tell to do it is to track your period, track your cycle, whether it be in a notebook or a calendar, writing your mood, how you feel, like start today, start writing down how you feel, or download one of the amazing apps out there like Eve or Flow or Period Diary that does it all for you. Some of them even like, well, you can measure your temperature with. And get to know your cycle, get to know how you feel because there's times you like throughout your cycle, your moods are going to shift so dramatically. You'll be hungry, you'll be tired, you'll be hot, you'll be horny, like all these different things are happening within your body and understanding them is so empowering 
for so many aspects of your life, professionally, training, like relationships. It's so empowering and understanding your body and planning around things. And if you have PMS, it's like so many women I talk to would be like, every month they forget that it's coming and then there'll be a few days and it's the same time every month that they're getting these few days they're like I don't know why I'm so sad I don't know why I'm so angry I'm snapping at everybody and then you know three or four days later their period comes and they're like oh it's that and it happens all the time it's like track your freaking period and you know that this is coming and you will make sure you are somewhere where you should be like if your symptoms are extreme and you know they're coming you can nearly like target big social events around it you can make sure that it's time you can say to your partner you know I don't want to go out that weekend that's when I need a like a pizza on the couch like for those two days or I need quiet time like understanding that is huge and particularly when it comes to if you struggle with PMS so with people that that do struggle with it are there any nutritional things that we can do to help there are there are some things that you can do now the overall and I know it sounds like a cop-out but a very balanced diet first and foremost um, remaining active so with within your diet um, your typical healthy eating goals are going to be are going to be what I'm going to recommend and that is lots of plants plenty of plant-based foods high variety of vegetables legume making sure your fiber levels are up get a broad as broad a variety of whole grains legumes plants that you can um fruits and veggies because they are going to give you an abundance of micronutrients um that are going to help support your cycle make sure you're eating enough overall um as well as that keep your protein level good like you're looking at I always kind of say start like 1.2 grams per kg body weight plus is a good place to start with your protein levels depending on your goals um and then managing your stress and managing your sleep I'm the most annoying person in the world when it comes to sleep I (laughs) I tell everyone it's like oh anyone asks me if they can start a supplement or start any diets or anything I'm like how's your sleep (laughs) you know because it's so important and it's so cornerstone to all of our other goals and our overall physical and cognitive health when it comes to specific nutrients and supplements i'm going to kind of cross them over and list off a few that are really beneficial and that are very much evidence-based as in there's support um behind them but like there's evidence there's research behind them not just experiential data there's both so omega-3 that would be your fish oils. So if you're someone who eats oily fish regularly throughout the week, you know, like two to three times a week, you have something like salmon or any oily fish like that, you're probably going to be doing all right. If you do not, I would say get yourself a good omega-3 supplement. And what I mean by good is look at the back of the box and check out the EPA and DHA content. Because that is the magic ingredients of your omega-3 fish oils are going to do all the wonderful stuff we wanted to do within your body. And you want to get about one gram of combined EPA and DHA per day. Now, to support PMS, they recommend slightly less than that. But I'm saying one gram because that's going to support the rest of your health. You know, and that's what you need to be hitting to support like cognitive function, inflammation, physical function, all all those wonderful things that omega-3 can do. So that's first and foremost. Then vitamin D3. Now, 
anyone over there in Australia is doing all right on this one, I'd say. <laughs> but D3 is sunshine vitamin. It's like, it's exactly a pro-hormone, but that's just like, it's, it will say vitamin. <laughs> but vitamin D3 comes from the sun. We can't really get it from food. Um, minimal amounts, it's nearly impossible. It's, it is pretty impossible to get it from food. And you do need to get enough of it from sunshine. And it is involved in so many parameters of our health and well-being. And deficiency in vitamin D3, which over here in Ireland and the UK is very common, um, is associated with PMS and symptoms of PMS. So if your D3 is off, you will possibly struggle with PMS throughout your period. So I recommend supplementing with it unless you're getting a lot of sunshine. Um, you want to be getting about two to 4,000 IUs of vitamin D3 a day. Um, they tend to say, like, supplementing in most countries, I know over here, like, when it's kind of winter, October to March, would be the minimum, I would tell people, to supplement with it. And then the rest, it's okay. Currently, with everything going on, um, we all need to keep our immune systems as strong as possible. There has been some research supporting vitamin D3 supplementation with COVID-19 recovery. Um, so yeah, there's additional reasons to support it. I honestly say when it comes to omega-3 and vitamin, uh, and vitamin D3, I nearly blanket recommend them now to everyone because research, anything I'm reading relating to so many different conditions and nutrition and health, they just keep popping up and keep popping up. And when something is constantly coming into every paper, you like about everything that's supportive, you're like, yeah, maybe I should, maybe I should take them. So yeah, they're, they're the two primaries. Um, calcium as well throughout your diet. And for like females in general, calcium is really important, preventing osteoporosis in later life. Um, Calcium, you could probably get through diet or you can supplement depending on your diet, but you want to be getting about 1,200 milligrams per day of calcium. That would be your target. And dietary wise, which if you can get it from your diet, I say get it from your diet. Dairy, beans, seeds, figs actually as well, and fortified cereals if you're vegan, like fortified plant milks and fortified cereals and foods can be beneficial if you don't have dairy and your figs and seeds and that will work and then sardines as well are actually really high in calcium and they have some good fish oils in there too so they mutual lots of benefits um magnesium potentially if you're deficient but only really if you're deficient in cycle any magnesium supplementation when it's advised it only really works for people who are deficient. If you are getting sufficient magnesium from your diet, you'll be all right. Um, then there is my absolute favorite. It's like my godsend. <laughs> that is a PMS supplement, having suffered terribly with it for long, long phases of my life, is a herbal supplement that is gotten some really great evidence behind it now. So it is an evidence-based up, and it is called, it's got three names, um, Chaseberry, Vitex, or Agnes Castus is the genus. So they're the three names you can see it under. And it is a herbal supplement. And the dose would be, so you have to, like I order mine online because it's really hard to get the right dosage here, but it's super easy to get online. And I'd say in Australia, it's probably really easy to get over the counter in health food stores. You want to get 500, 500 milligrams per day of dry Vitex. So you want four, uh, five, four to 500 milligrams of actual herb in the supplement per day and it can take about three months before you're really going to notice a difference so bear with it and um, what it does this this herb does is it balances the levels of prolactin 
and levels of progesterone, which are two of the hormones that impact us when it comes to PMS. Like prolactin, you would recognize as when people are lactating or breastfeeding, this is the hormone that helps influence that. So it would be one of the reasons why people's breasts can get tender or sore when they have PMS and that as well. And chase berry actually helps in regulating both of those hormones. Um, for one of the, for that reason, I would say anyone who is lactating or breastfeeding, talk to your doctor. Probably don't take it, just in case. But I would say with any supplements, if you're concerned about anything, talk to your doctor. And then the only other two I can really think of that could be a consideration would be your B vitamins and iron. And that would be primarily because if you have heavy or irregular periods, um, they can be beneficial just to just to check your your iron levels because sometimes people do get iron deficient if they get very very heavy periods and vitamin b deficiency is quite similar in that you can get quite like anemia like symptoms from it as well and yeah there's something that i would say if you have very irregular or heavy periods get your bloods done check if you are deficient but they will be ones to to look out for but that would be nutrient wise yeah that would be the only ones that i would i would advise as evidence-based with some support behind them for pms in your periods what was the other product it was chase berry vitex and what was the last thing you said agnes castus so a-g-n-u-s-c-a-s-t-u-s agnes castus beautiful you'll find it mixed with a lot of things that came to be pms and hormone support for like perimenopause, menopause, and for um, for PMS. So you don't really want it mixed. I would advise getting the pure the pure dose of that herb because when it's mixed, it tends to be diluted and you don't get the dose of four to 500 milligrams, which is the therapeutic dose that you're actually going to feel the benefits of. And that's the problem. A lot of people end up taking these things and thinking they don't work because they're not actually getting the, the right dose. So that would just just make sure when you look at the box, it's not an excessively expensive supplement to find. Even ordering online, it's quite reasonable. Mm. So yeah, but I, oh, I highly recommend it, and I've had great success. As I said myself personally, so experientially, but with other people, I've recommended to to be to go on it to support their symptoms. They've had great results from it. But you have to dedicate a good three months <laughs> until you notice the results. Yeah, I guess that's the hard thing for, for anyone in today's day and age. We want results yesterday, so it's... Yes. But, so when we get to the, I guess, the, the sort of extreme end of the spectrum where pe- periods are lost, menstrual cycles are all out of whack and, and it gets to that stage, what happens to the body during that and why does that happen? So period loss is called hypothalamic amenorrhea is what we know it as and... This is when you have abs- the absence of a period for three or more months or a very irregular cycle that would mean less than nine periods um, per year. So that's when you start flagging things. If you start having less than nine periods per year or if your period goes entirely for more than three months. Um, and I was just saying earlier, like the per- our period of menstrual cycle, our menstrual cycle is really energy expensive, which means it uses... A lot of energy to have this function going and have this function working um, and when your body is under extreme stress physical or emotional your your brain goes right this is not a favorable environment to have like, to have a pregnancy so it switches off that function in favor of 
other functions in your body and other organs that it sees as more important, that are more important organs that we need, like our brain, heart, lungs, all these organs are favorable to your to your, your menstrual cycle. So your brain goes, I don't need this. I'm under extreme stress. I'm going to switch this off. Now, there is this assumption that you have to be at a really low body fat to lose your period, and it's simply not the case. Like, your body fat is not the is not an indicator it is just one reason why you may lose your period um the primary causes however of period loss is like primarily extreme dieting so long term or extreme so that means if somebody goes into an extreme diet that's quite stressful on their body or you are someone who's been dieting for a really 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 long time that's why it's associated with people prepping and stuff like that not doing it like safely for themselves that they can lose their period then excess intense exercise is another stressor which again that impacts our energy availability once again um and it's a stress on the body be very stressful so if you are either intensely exercising and you've got low energy availability or you're dieting to extreme or for chronically long long term you've got low energy availability your cycle switches off But then as well, which people don't realize, extreme emotional stress can impact it as well. So if you are under periods of extreme stress, like say our situation right now, the world over with um, COVID-19, people are under extreme stress. Things are very uncertain. So many people are noting differences to their cycle, that their cycle's knocked off, that it's become irregular. So that extreme emotional stress and underlying stress will impact it. So Dieting is a stressor. Intense exercise is a stressor. So if you are someone who's even just teetering on the brink of period loss and you then get stress in your life, that will tip you over the edge. Um, and body fat, while yes, it is a lot of the time it can be people who are at quite a low body fat level who will lose their period because they might be managing quite well and then something stressful happens, tips them over the edge. But somebody who is at a higher body fat level who goes into a chronic, like goes into an extreme calorie deficit that they weren't ready for, you know, diets too hard, that puts a lot of stress on them, they have some emotional stress, they can lose their period as well. If you're having some, a lot of mental anguish, that can cause, cause it too. Your body doesn't necessarily like differentiate between all these different types of stress at times and that can impact it too. So don't assume if you are not at a seriously low level of body fat that your period loss is not something to worry about. It still is. Your body's under stress and it's not it's not happy and you need to you need to take care of it. Um and you really do need to take care of it. Like it can seem like a blessing, especially if you have PMS, not to have your period like for for a while. But it really has some very, very negative ramifications on your health and well being, both mental and physical. Um the like easy side of it is like you can become quite lethargic become quite stressed gets worse into compromised immunity you're more prone to getting ill it can decrease your bone mineral density which means osteoporosis later in life which you really don't want to start dabbling with that and the impact that's going to have later on it can cause low libido um, which means your sex drive can be limited you don't you don't have any interest it can cause thyroid issues 
infertility later on, later on, if you are considering having a family later in your life, or you just want that option. You don't want to be dealing with period loss. Um, and it can lead to depression. It can cause depression and extreme low mood. All of these things can happen. Like as we talked about earlier, there's so many adaptations that you can get both positive and negative from your, your menstrual cycle. You miss If you don't have your period, you miss out on the positive sides of it too and all the training adaptations and those surges that allow for intense training, lean muscle development, all these things. So you're increasing your potential for osteoporosis, depression, compromised immunity, leaving yourself open for illness, infertility, and you're missing out on all these positive adaptations of having your period. So it's it's not okay and it, it's not acceptable and people need to talk about it an awful lot more. Um, people need to be more aware of it, needs to have no stigma around it. It's not something to accept and you shouldn't have to accept it. Um, and I always would recommend to anyone if they are noticing it too, first and foremost, get your blood work done though because whilst I've listed all the ways, the things that can cause it, there could be an underlying condition, you know, like things like PCOS or endometriosis, all these different conditions could could be could be adding to it. So I would say go get your blood work done, check out there's no underlying conditions, and then look in then there is really it's beyond that it's gonna be stress of some description. Uh, the biggest culprit is energy availability via diet, too little energy in or to intense exercise. They are the biggest culprits and they are the first line of defense in bringing your period back. I think people do forget a, a, over as an overall stress of the our allostatic load, how much stress do we handle throughout our day-to-day lives. So as you said there, like the big ones are gonna be that low energy availability, extreme exercise. And if we look at 90% of people in the gym, don't eat a lot of food and move an absolute shit ton. So you're just like, okay, cool. Well, those are two big factors. And then we got financial stress. We've got relationship stress. You just got stress in general. Someone's cut you off in traffic. You're having a bad day at work. All these things are gonna just, you hate your job. You hate your relationship. You might hate your kids. I don't know. But um, all these things are just going to end. Period of the month. <laughs> yeah, and then that happens. Of course, something's going to go wrong. We're just really teetering on the breaking point, you know. Um, so if someone is is getting to that stage where period's gone for about that three months or you have less than nine per year, what are a couple of the, the practical steps? Okay, well, obviously, first you go see your GP. Um, they're going to advise some things, but is there anything that you advise yourself to go, okay, here's a couple of things to try and balance out that stress? Because obviously, the underlying factor is, is stress. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Um, nobody wants to hear the first line of defense, <laughs> and that is, I'm sorry to say to anyone, it's like you have to increase your calories. You need to eat more. There's no way around it. Irrelevant of what the reason is, um, if it's beyond what your doctor checks, if there's no underlying conditions, beyond that, first and foremost, increase your calories. If you are dieting, come up to maintenance at least. That's where you need to be. Your body's under stress. We need to convince your body that it's no longer under stress. You're not fasting. You're not dieting. There's no pressure. Get your calories up. That's first and foremost. Um, when you are increasing your calories, be sure that you are getting 
sufficient fats in your diet fats are linked to hormonal health so like you're supposed to like look at getting a minimum of 50 percent of your calories from fats more than that potentially around this time if you're trying to get your period back they do influence influence hormonal health um carbohydrates make sure you're getting sufficient carbs and you're not limiting them massively as well there is some there's some indications that carbohydrates can have a cortisol lowering effect there's there's some research that kind of points in that direction so that's something to consider as well but mostly it's like get your calories up that's that's primary and decrease your training intensity or decrease your training right back you know don't underestimate the value of just going for long walks and neat and stuff like that for mental and physical health um, decrease the intensity of your training. You don't need to be throwing yourself around the gym. Being that stressed out and the stress that that's causing your body is going to have a negative ramif- ne- negative impact anyway. It's going to be impacting you negatively and until you sort out that stress level, you're not going to get the benefits from training that you want anyway. So reduce your training intensity too. And then it's really managing stress. And again, I'm going to bring in the fact that get your sleep in order, you know, sleep and stress, they're like interlinked so much, you know, one impacts the other. So, so harshly, um, primarily try and get your seven to nine hours sleep a night, work on your sleep hygiene and practices to help you get to sleep. Um, like within the regards of when it comes to stress and sleep, I would say introduce some practices that help be it meditation, if you're not quite ready for meditation, even just breathing drills. There's so many wonderful apps out there that helps help with really simple meditations and breathing and stuff like Calm is one I use myself that I, I recommend a lot. There's there's quite a few others that um, are really good too that will help with talking you through basic meditations or even like sleep stories and breathing drills and things like that. Some way that you know helps you minimize stress. Journaling for some people can be really helpful. I'm a firm gratitude practicer and journaler myself and find them massively helpful for helping manage stress and keep a more positive mindset. They have actually been proven to rewire the brain and help you positively. So like it's evidence-based now, so I feel allowed (laughs) to share this love. (laughs) But yeah, no, Try and find ways that manage stress for you and sleep, getting your sleep in order first will be really helpful for that. Whatever tools do help manage stress and you find is good stress reduction is going to help bring it back. And it's that full spectrum helps when it comes to, to bringing it back. You can look into when you've put all those things in place and you have worked on them, there are like you can look at supportive supplements like Chase Berry, which we talked about again, may be beneficial for, for helping regulate your period and B vitamins again too. You know, they they may be helpful for because they do B vitamins do help support our um our like our immune function our nervous system and that impacts stress. They can be supportive, but they are literally supportive to these other interventions they're not going to do it alone they're not a scapegoat from not wanting to increase your calories because and i keep saying reiterating that because it's so hard like so many people especially if people are losing their period via cutting weight making weight things like that they're doing it for a sport specific or aesthetic reason and if it doesn't suit their sport at that time it's very difficult to convince someone that they need to jack up their calories Mm. you know but there are ways to 
make weight and compete without losing your period and there's a lot of phenomenal coaches out there these days that will help you achieve that you know when it comes to your sport yeah i think people forget that health is the underlying factor of everything once you get your body healthy you're you're going to be better at your sport you're going to drop if you're going to compete on stage you'll drop weight faster more efficiently anyway absolutely so what does a what does a typical day look like for you in terms of being a nutritionist and your food consumption I'm obsessed with people's food, by the way. <laughs> I don't know why it is, but I was like, what are you eating? Like, what can I try? How are you making your pancakes? Do you know what I mean? Like... So I've gone through, all right, so like my, like, I was a strict vegetarian hmm. for 20 years. Wow. So I, I am not anymore, but very strict vegetarian. So I have a big love for vegetarian food still. And um, I have done quite a few different diets throughout my life, like everyone else. Um. For primarily though, I'd say for years now, I have been someone that would have tracked, you know, kind of tracked calories because I have worked to a point of like getting my body, my body fat down quite a lot and shredding up. And I've played around with a lot of things like that myself more as an education for myself as much as anything to see. I like to know what it takes to do different things. And, and I do, as I said, train for sports. So I have, um, I, do do CrossFit. I've done like some basic competing and stuff like that. So I would be interested in fueling, have uh, fueling that for myself and building muscle. So tracking primarily um, over the last, I'd say, five years was my primary method. Um, recently, in the last probably got over six months now, I don't. I've been working off just kind of more going off my hunger and fullness, trying to eat more mindfully. Um, but in saying that, that's a lot easier for someone like me to do who spent years tracking and understands food and portioning. So I'm not suggesting anybody or everyone can just jump into that. Um, tracking for a period, I do believe, if you don't have any issues like disordered habits and stuff like that and you've got a good relationship with food, can be a really helpful tool in learning how to portion and learning to understand food and learning what goes into it. So yeah, that's that was my foundations. So a typical day for me, I eat a ton of vegetables. <laughs> I eat mostly plants. Most of my diet will be made up of a variety of vegetables, legumes, whole grains. Like It would make up the bulk of my food. I eat a lot of protein. So for me... I would easily hit, like when I was tracking, I was hitting probably about 120 to 140 grams of protein a day. Um, I'm not a big, like I'm a little enough person, (laughs) but it was like, I would always hit quite high protein because I really enjoyed it um, and find it really satiating. So lots of plants, good mix of protein sources from vegan dairy i eat quite a lot of dairy and meat as well from seafood and meat i would eat red meat minimally but one of my favorite things is immediate like a rare to medium rare fillet steak yes. <laughs> every now and then but primarily plant-based and um yeah so throughout the day i would I would always my meals are always built nearly with protein first lots of vegetables or some fruit and then a mix of fat sources. So I don't I don't limit myself of any food. I would 
have a variety of fats so I have saturated poly mono like I would have a mix of like I would have butter in my life cheese in my life but I'd also have olive oil avocado seeds and nuts mm. like I really don't believe in limiting myself of anything and I know that all sounds quite vague mm. but I try to stop eating when I'm full I try to be present when I'm eating I chew my food and um, try to tune into my hunger and fullness cues and balance that with my previous knowledge of food and how to build my meals to help me maintain kind of energy balance you know maintain like reasonable energy balance but yeah I, do, I try not to limit myself and I will never limit myself from the fact of if at certain points I want to track again I'll jump back in and do it I can I use it I can use it as kind of like a data collection to see where I'm at sometimes to see if I am still kind of sticking in and around to see where I'm at if I am getting enough protein if how my fiber levels and stuff like that it's there if ever I, I need to use it but for now I just make sure to consider the nutrients I'm getting lots and lots of plant-based food protein first lots of veggies everything else is just go after that a little bit of whatever I fancy on top of it does that help or is it too vague? No, people? it's good. No, it's good. I love the way you said that you don't limit yourself from, from any specific foods. I think unless you've got a specific digestive issue, you should do that. We want a, a wide variety of nutrients in, in, the, in the gut and we want to be able to get as much color and as much variety as we possibly can from meats, vegetables, you know, as you said there, whitefish, salmons, like as much as we possibly can to try and optimize our, our bodies and, and be as, as sort of... Um, functional lack of a better word as as we possibly can and we get that through a wide variety of food sources absolutely and like as well as that something to always remember is that like food is pleasure pleasure is important food is community food is love like it's taste it's flavor like it's such a part of where you're from and where you grew up and different it's culture you know so I always feel it's it's like we can talk a lot about the nutrients and everything that goes into it, which is hugely important, but um, it's very easy to step away from the importance of still enjoying your food and getting pleasure from it. So yes, nourishment, but it can be enjoyable. You can still love food. You can still have that variety of foods and eat it purely for pleasure sometimes. So never forget that and lose that love of it as well. I think it's really important for sustaining anything any program enjoyment makes a huge difference yeah. <laughs> like can you live it's one thing dieting but is how you eat sustainable can you live a life like that mm. that's always something to consider with whatever eating eating method you get into whatever diet you choose whichever way you like to eat is this sustainable long term for your health and also your happiness it's hugely important, I think. Yeah, happiness is uh, is something that's quite important. Um, yeah. I mean, for me, like food's is memory, right? Like you can always remember the the place you go out with your family. You go to an Italian restaurant with friends. You can always remember that sensation, those smells, who you were with, the laughter, the joy, the love that was there. Food's memory. I can I can genuinely still remember the Sunday. Well, I mean, we don't really have it in Australia, but back in the UK, it was like the Sunday Sunday dinners. You know, what I'm saying like the big roast dinner uh, with roasted vegetables, potato gravy, all that sort of homemade gravy, all that sort of stuff. I can still remember how that tastes. Oh, hungry. Yeah, yeah. Go have it this Sunday. It's on your menu. Um, what does a typical day look like for you for for training? Obviously, with the training with CrossFit right now, what does a day look like for for training for you, and how do you sort of structure that? 
Um, well, currently with the current situation yeah, of yes. lockdown in Ireland is very different for me from normal, but I'm trying to, I try to stick right now to a very similar structure and routine to what I would have, particularly with training um, outside of this. So obviously I'm limited in certain things that I can do. I have a coach mm. who programs for me. Um, thankfully, because I share an apartment with my coach as well, we've got a little bit of equipment knocking around. So I'm very, I'm very lucky compared to like a lot of people who don't have what I have. I've got rings on the balcony or concept two and stuff like that shoved out on the balcony. <laughs> so, so in an apartment, like, but um, yeah, like a, I can work it out that. So I usually would do a mixture because I over the last year I've kind of ran back on CrossFit. And I would do a mixture of kind of bodybuilding style work um, and CrossFit. Like, so weightlifting and gymnastic works. My two favorite parts of CrossFit would be kind of the, the weightlifting side of things. I love the gymnastic side of things as well. Um, so I do a combination of that. So we would do a lot of, because to improve my gymnastics, my coach would give me an awful lot of stuff to help build my scapular strength and stability and things like that. So yeah, a real combination my coach would program for me low intensity sessions throughout the week. I would, and then some like more kind of cardio stuff. And right now I'm doing a bit more running in that because I hadn't done that in a long time. Mm. And obviously with everything going on, it's a handy way to get outside and get exercise. Mm. But yeah, a combination of strength and conditioning, um, CrossFit anaerobic style workouts and gymnastic strength work. Um, my, my training will kind of have a mixture of, and I would train typically, um before lockdown probably about five times a week um two full rest days or like kind of active rest see how i feel i could go for a hike sometimes with friends whenever anything goes do a bit of yoga something like that or just do nothing now i'm active i try to be active most days because my daily activity is a bit limited so i try to train even if it's just like a, a low intensity session or some like you know plate work and stuff working um that accessory work and then a long walk or something yeah so i try to be active most days at the moment no beautiful is there anything that you've read recently a book that you've read that might have just changed your perspective changed your life that you could recommend people that to uh to check out it could be a book could be an article could be something you've watched anything around that no, oh, so so many. I I I'm so bad. Like book depository. Like I, it's like add to cart should be my middle name when it comes to like <laughs> books and stuff reading. Um, sticking with actually the theme of our talk to mm. this this um, podcast today, I am going to say there's a couple. There is Period Power by Maisie Hill is incredible. For I would say for anyone who wants to know more about the menstrual cycle for the impact it has on you, for how to harness the power of it, for just understanding your body and how it all works. It is an incredible book. And sticking with the same subject as well, um, for more performance-related adaptations to the menstrual cycle and understanding it, Dr. Stacey Sims has a book called Roar, which is a phenomenal resource for athletes and coaches who have female clients and even at a high competitive level, She's incredible. She does a lot of talks around. I think she's um, I think she's actually she's New Zealand, so um, she would do a lot in, in over over in your direction, um, talks and stuff like that. She's incredible, and her book Roar um is really good for the more like yeah, athlete side of things when it comes to the menstrual cycle. So they're two really really good books as well. I would say to read, and 
kind of kind of off the track of nutrition. Incredible book I just read recently was The Art of Asking by Amanda Palmer, who is a musician. Um, and it is an incredible book um, about people finally having the power to, the, the power of asking, for asking for help, for asking for advice, for reaching out, and the power of that. And it's really incredible in that way. Um, so, oh, so many, so many good books. <laughs> um, yeah, like the, the Hungry Brain by Stefan Guillenet is really good as well. I found that an incredibly interesting book to understand how our brain influences our appetite um, and how like society at the moment and like how our brain has evolved and how our, our where our brain's at now is dealing with the world as it is and its impact on us and it's he's um, an obesity researcher so it's that's an incredible book for understanding that yeah I think so many if people if people follow me online I'll recommend <laughs> a lot of books here and there that I'm reading I've usually got about three or four on the go <laughs> Yeah, well, um, all your links will be in the show notes below anyway, so people can definitely check you out and see what you're reading and, and follow that up. But to close off, what are probably three of the biggest takeaway points from our discussion today that you could recommend people implement today? Um, I would say download an app or get a calendar or diary and start tracking your period. Get to know your body. Knowledge is power knowing yourself in every aspect is going to benefit you understanding yourself your moods what happens within your body is hugely impactful and powerful so empower yourself with knowledge and download flow eve period diary or one or the other apps and get on that because that's going to be cornerstone to everything else and understanding your body i would then say balanced nutrition like making sure that you are eating a wide variety of foods, make sure that you are eating a wide variety of plants and optimizing your nutrition in that way and eating regardless of your goals overall, eating a sufficient amount of calories to fuel you, to fuel what you're doing and to fuel your body and managing sleep. I know we didn't talk like hugely into it, but I kept bringing it up, but anything you do when it comes to your health and nutrition and your fitness if you are not sleeping properly, it's like throwing spaghetti against a wall. Honestly, when it comes to muscle gain, when it comes to sports performance, when it comes to health, when it comes to cognitive function, mood, everything, if you're not getting sufficient sleep, they're all going to be impacted. They're all going to be limited. So I think foundational to, to anything that I could recommend, that one's going to be there. No, awesome. Those are awesome, awesome facts. And what are you working on? Is there anything that you're, any projects you're working on that you've got coming up this year, obviously post, uh, post COVID, but anything that you uh, are looking to announce, anything that you're really focusing on in terms of business? Um, currently I'm increasing my online coaching. So online consultations and taking on more online uh, online clients. I had worked as said primarily in private practice and online coaching, but now I'm increasing, um, my online clients, which I like, I keep my numbers quite limited um, to be able to give people as much of my time as I can. <laughs> and I'm steadily though increasing them. Um, just before lockdown, I was about to launch uh, a longer program, um, an eight week program that would be fully online and called Empower Your Nutrition. And I am hoping to now, instead of launching the launch date, which was early summer, I didn't feel it was the right, uh, 
just when the lockdown happened, I didn't feel it was the right time to be promoting a challenge that was going to be fueling performance, fat loss based with people. So I decided to put it off until we all, everybody kind of knew what was going on in their lives a little bit more and got back into routine. But I am hoping to announce that again, um, close to the end of the summer, hopefully moving into autumn, winter. Yeah. And I am, uh, as I've been inviting a lot more like online talks and stuff have become a big part of everyone's life at the moment and over this side of the world um i've started doing a little bit more than that more of that so i've been like coach for hire in in many in online groups and communities who've invited me in to do talks on subjects like what we spoke about tonight and some other subjects and that along in in the nutrition spectrum so yeah that's awesome and lastly where can people check you out where can people find you ask questions check out obviously the program stuff that you got coming up too um, Instagram is probably the best place to find me. Um, I will be pretty active on that. I'm pretty good at answering messages that come through. Uh, I am Jane undersc- underscore Real Nutrition on Instagram. Um, I have got a website which is jane-realnutrition.com as well, which has lists of more of, of my my programming my programs at the moment and a bit more information. And I am on Facebook too, but um, Instagram is probably the easiest to access me. And honestly, people are more than welcome to ask me questions. If I can help or advise, I always do, or I will refer on to better sources of information than myself if it's not my scope of practice or I don't know. Um, But please do reach out. I'm more than happy to answer questions. Or if there's anything that we spoke about tonight that people want to know more about, please, please reach out. I am very happy to hear from you. And all of Jane's links will be in the show notes below. Jane, thank you so much for taking the time to chat with us on the show today. Thank you so much for having me. It's been, it's been fantastic. I really appreciate it. You're most welcome.